Okay. Erev Tov. We're continuing in the Rambam. Moira Nevuchim. We're almost at the, well, more than halfway through the 56th chapter. We're talking about not, we're right on the spot. With that to not attribute attributes to Hashem. So if you want to make it smaller, click on view and do click on view on the no. Now you're not gonna see anything now. Now go up, up to the top, to the top. Where it says view. Okay, now zoom out. Zoom out. Okay, how's that? But now you gotta go down up to three. Up to three. Okay, so the Rambam was discussing the saying we cannot give any attributes to Hashem. Okay, because that would be adding on to Hashem, as it were. And uh, more than that, we don't make any similitudes to Hashem. That was the point we're dealing with here. So now, this is explain, explainable to anyone who understands the idea of comparing things. When we use the term for Hashem or others, and the term Motsui, existing, right? Is that the term? We say, does God exist? Yes. Does Paul exist? Yes. Yes. So when we use those two terms, we got to understand, it's certainly only that of homonyms. That's all it is. And therefore, we talk about yedia, knowledge, or yecholes, ability, and ratzon, a desire, vachaim in life, all of Yisala. When we talk about that regarding Hashem, or people, va'al kol ba'al yedia, or someone who has knowledge, or someone who has yecholes, ability, or ratzon, or desire, or chaim in life, kim b'shutavachlet, again, only with being just homonyms. Asher ain't shum dimyon in your neighbor cloud. There is no similarity between them as all. And in the next chapter, which we'll start tonight, we'll see how he explains all that. Now, there's another term that we have over here. And don't think, Shehem, when we say that we're both Motsui, they're They're being used as hybrid terms. And you're going to say, what is a hybrid term? Well, that's why we still have the old sheet that we had. The very bottom source from the Sefer Hamilos, where it talks about this idea. Source number nine. Okay, this is a dictionary of the Rambam, um, Ramban rather. He says, "Vulam Hashem Hamisupak." When we say Hashem Hamisupak, that means a dual meaning. Who Hashem Asher Yomer Al Shtei Atzmius or Yoser? We'll talk about two as essences or more. But for Inyan Ma Hishtafibot, that they have some similarity, some partnering here. But for Eino Inyan Ahu Amamid LaEmes Kolech. But that. Common denominator is not really true for any of them. He gives an example. Dimin said, Shem Ha'odom. The name Odom. When you use the word Odom, what could that be applied to? Well, 
Kenemer al Ruvein, a fellow by the name of Ruvein, Hachai Hamadaber, who's alive and is speaking. His name is Ruvein. Uh, his name is Adam. He's an Adam. It's a person. That's true. But what about Val Ish Achermes? What if Ruvein died? Let me say, there's Ruvein. There's a little difference between a live Ruvein and a dead Ruvein. Big difference. Yeah. How about Val Tsuris Adam Anasmina Eitz? I mean, how about a sculpture? I mean, that's here a picture of a person. Is that also an Adam? Yes. In his shame and Emeralayim, why we all call them a person? Before he stopped from it, because they're similar in one way. And what is that? It's the shape, the picture, the stature of the person. But the picture and the stature doesn't really establish the truth of the autumn. Okay? But he but we use the name in agreement. Why we'll all call them autumn. Ma, there's some kind of similarity in the two essences together that they're called an autumn. And that is called complete duality of meaning. Because really each one is essentially different than the other. But it's still called a dual meaning because they share something, so even though that's what we call the hybrid definition. Okay, and don't think Hashem, his knowledge, when we say he has a, it's a hybrid. When we're saying it's a hybrid, it means there's something similar. No, it's not. Continues the Ramba. And don't, yeah, that's what I said. When you talk about names that are hybrids, because these are two things that have some similarity in some way. And that's a mikra, something that just happens. And that something happened to this wood to give it the shape of an autumn. The human being was born from a father and mother that created an autumn. The guy's dead. He still is an autumn. But they all have similar common denominator. But but that doesn't really establish the essence of each of them. And so therefore any words that we relate to Hashem, they're not happenings that affect Hashem. Anyone who looks at this is going to know clearly that things don't happen to Hashem, so to speak. And the attributes that we have, the answers that we have, they're all happening, so to speak. They're external and additional to our essence. Based on the Muslim guy, whoever that fellow is. Okay, there's a certain... Uh, Guy and that and that was their belief that we can still say that God has real essential attributes, but they're not like people's, and that and and it's still God is not corporeal, so that you just can't say that. I would like to know where they get this comparison. Use one definition. So as and they say it doesn't make a difference. I don't know where they got this. What I've just told you is a clear proof 
any attributes that are attributed to him, that when we say God's attribute here, it has nothing to do when we use the term attribute for ourselves. In no way are they the same. The only thing is the name, the homonym, the loyoser. It's just a linguistic thing. There's nothing else similar except the words. Since that's so, in Royalios Bedea, there should not be any kind of knowledge to say that to say that these are concepts that are additional to Hashem's essence. To not say, well, we we have attributes in addition to us. So we can't say that about Hashem so that we can make some kind of comparison. This is a very high thing for the people who understand logic. They got to remember and know it well. So then you'll be able to understand that which I'm going to explain to you as we continue into chapter Nun Zion 57. And 57, he is going to now move on to other terms, and that's the next sheet of paper. Oh, next sheet. That you could pass it around. And the title for chapter 57 is The Unique Meanings of Existence, Oneness, and Eternity as They Pertain to Hashem. So now that he said we can't make any similarities to Hashem, now he's going to go in certain words that you may think are similarities to Hashem, and they are certain <coughs> attributes of Hashem, specifically, is true or false? Does Hashem exist? Yes. Yeah. True or false? Does Martin exist? Yeah. Yes, I exist. I, I, then I guess you and Hashem are, very, are, are similar in that you both exist. There's no similarity. So now we, it's going to tell us what how we define existence. Now, how many Martins are there in the world? Just one. How many gods are in the world? Just one. One. So I guess they're similar. Nope, they're not similar. Either that. And even if Martin would live forever, and we'd say he's he's living for an eternity. When we say about Hashem, it's not the same thing either. That's going to be a little tricky. Okay? You're going to have to really work your brains. But we're going to start with a little introduction from the sheets. The Rambam in Hilchas Yesodia Torah. Remember, we're continuing this idea we'll call negative theology. To say what Hashem is not. So we don't make any mistakes. Because Hashem, again, has no intrinsic attributes. Okay? And we'll see how unity, eternity, and non-corporeality are all linked together in this piece of Rambam that we learned many years ago in Hilchas Yisodia Torah, the first chapter, Fundamentals of Hashem, where the Rambam is speaking about the uniqueness of Hashem. He says, This God that we're talking about, He is one. He's not two. Not more than two. Just one. But... But his oneness is not like the oneness that you find in the world. Again, we're going to be talking about words. We talk about Hashem as one. It's not the same one as the one that we understand. Not like a one that has many things that are subsumed within it. 
are not one like a body, there's different body parts. but a unity, there's no unity like it in the world. Now, let's say there were many gods, then then there would be lots of bodies, and there would be corporate reality. Because when we get things that seem to be equated a little bit, but they're a little bit different, they're only going to be different. Things that happen to them, that happen to their bodies. Because you could have, if you want to say there's many gods, so they have some kind of physicality and what makes one different than another. And if the creator is really corporeal, he'd have an end. You can't have something physical that goes on forever. Any body that has an ending, then its strength has limitations. Since his strength has no end, because the planets keep revolving, the rotations, who's rotating everything? So, right? And so, his strength is not the strength of a body. And since he's not a body, nothing can happen to him like things happen to bodies. To be uh, it's divided up, separated from another. Therefore, you can only have one. And this is a mitzvah. The mitzvah is saying that Hashem is one, and that means He is one, He is uh, uh, non corporeal. But the oneness that we ascribe to Hashem is not like the oneness that we'll ascribe to other things. Okay, this is the first point that we have to understand. Now, what? Ask a quick question. Yeah. Wasn't Adam Harishan supposed to live forever? Not forever, but forever as long as this world would exist. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's forever and then there's forever. Right. Okay, so there's still limitation. Right. Eternality is not at all right. Hashem right. was created. Um, and Hashem, that's anything that's created and, and is going to be limited created. by time. Yeah. Yeah. And even forever ends. But Hashem's forever doesn't end. Uh -huh. Now, we have to remember what we said in the previous chapters, that Hashem's true not necessarily within language that we can speak because language is words and language is confined to the schema of the mind. And therefore we can only express things that we can imagine. And we can only imagine things based on the corporeal world. However, sometimes as Aram said at the beginning of the Sefer, sometimes you get flashes of clarity when you get those flashes of clarity, sometimes you understand something, but there's no language that can be used to explain it. And that's a very important theory he has. And he's based on a Pusik and source too. Before you go to bed, Rigzu, be filled with emotion, Val don't sin. Imru Bilvavchem, say it in your heart. Al Mishkafem, as you go to sleep, the Domasopi be silent. Which he means there's certain things you know you cannot say, or as the secular a philosopher Ludwig Wittgenstein says, 
There are indeed things that cannot be put into words. They make themselves manifest. They are what is mystical. Okay, now we got a choice. I can read a few lines inside the Rambam, which you will totally not understand. <laughs> uh, or I can read something from Plato's teachings that you won't understand. <laughs> but either way, we'll start with Plato. Okay. Okay. And this, this is, uh, you got a halt cup, but only for 10 minutes. Okay. And what we need to know is the difference between the essence of something and the existence of something. Mm. Now, in Hebrew, the words would be the essence is mahus. Existence is mitzius, okay? Or something is motzui, okay? When it materializes. So let me give you an example before you even read. Okay, let's take an example of me. My name is Yossi. Now, did I need to exist? Was it imperative that I exist? No. Why? If my parents would not have met each other or they decided to not have children, I would not exist. And the world would not be any better or worse off without me. The world world does not, I do not have to exist in this world. I'm not essential. I'm not essential. However, here's the tricky part. But a concept of my existence does exist even if I don't exist. What does that mean? I could, somebody else could describe someone like me. The concept of a person who studies Torah, a person who has certain talents and certain flaws, a certain who's capable of being a rabbi of a shul, I can describe for you the persona of Yossi without him ever existing. That's true. So that is mahus. That is essence. Essence does not need existence. Or we'll give another example. You ask a single person, tell me your picture of your perfect shidduch. Now, could they describe the mahus of that perfect shidduch? Sure. Oh, yeah. But guess what? Does that perfect shit, first of all, does it exist? Some people who have, you know, like every virtue, 10,000 virtues without a flaw. Well, the concept exists. The mouse, the essence exists, but does it have to exist? (laughs) No. No. Right? But but you, you have a clear understanding what it is. Can you not explain it? Yes, but does it have to exist? No. So now we have to understand there are things in this world whose that the essence can exist, but their existence doesn't have to exist. But you can't say that by Hashem. Hashem's existence must be. Why? Otherwise everything else ceases to exist. There'd be no existence. So it's not enough to say, and, and we can't even, Hashem has a mahus, but we just can't explain it. Because right. we don't know what it is. 
But one thing's for sure, he has a metzius. He has an existence. That must be an existence. Now, this is where we're going to understand where we can say that God is Matsui. When we say the fact that God is Matsui, in no way is it similar to the fact that you are Matsui. When we say God exists and Martin exists, two different words, words, the same words, two different existences. But Martin, as great as he is, there's a mouse of a Martin, but maybe never would have come into the world. And if Martin doesn't come into the world, Martin did not have to come into the world. But still, he exists. Now, Hashem also exists. But Hashem doesn't exist merely in mouse. Hashem's Metzius must be. And if it's not, then there's nothing else that exists. So that is, you could say God's a Matsui. So now, okay, so let's compare. Okay, so Martin exists. Hashem exists a little more. No, he doesn't exist a little more. The whole concept of the existence is not a similar term at all. God is uh, an essential existence. While we are not essential existence, and more than that, we mamish don't have to exist at all. While Hashem must exist, and that definition of his existence is much different than ours. Question: Is that why people like fiction? Because they're taking an essence, they're creating it, and they're putting it in various situations. Exactly. But it doesn't. But it doesn't. But you exist. can learn something from it. It doesn't exist. Right. It doesn't exist. But you can learn a lesson from it. Yes. That's like a marshal. Yeah. Same idea of a marshal. Yeah. You're trying to explain a hard concept. So what do you do? You use a marshal. Yeah, it's in a parable. A marshal is a mouse, yeah. but there's no existence to it unless we're trying to have it explain things that exist. Okay, but this... Forgive me, but I thought in the past, maybe I misread it, that you sort of denigrate fiction. That you sort of, maybe I'm wrong. Oh, I sure, I, certainly I do. Yeah. Secular fiction is a waste of time. No, and you're making a muscle to learn Torah is different. But fiction, I'm talking fictional novels. The only history that's worthwhile is historical fiction. Because that, let's say, historical fiction in the times of the Torah. In other words, we, we, it's a mitzvah for us to say, and somebody did a really good job on it. It wrote a big, thick book, five, (laughs) six hundred words, Alpi Torah and Medrash taking fictional, historical fictional, of what it meant to be a slave in Egypt. Right. Okay? And it, it, you know, it. we don't have facts of this, but certainly that very well described what was going on. But does it have to be Torah? Could it be what it was like to be a Jew during the Spanish Inquisition or something? Same idea. So it doesn't have to be Torah. That's like Torah. That's still Torah. It's Jewish life. It's uh, Jewish okay. life. Yeah, yeah. What did it mean to be a Murano? Right. So we may not have all the details, but we could learn what they had to do and appreciate what circumstance, and then you can appreciate why certain halacha was shaped at that time. But just stam harlequin romance. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. What do you need? What do you need it for? Okay, that already it's a waste of time because you're dealing with things that are not reality that don't really have great lessons. And yeah, it's escapism. As opposed to the Torah, whatever the Torah says, and any marshal that the Dubna Magid gives is Torah. But sorry, but from time to time, you have reached into Star Trek in order to give. A- I, I use it as a marshal to understand a Torah concept. Okay, but Star Trek wasn't created for that purpose. 
I that's why I said you don't watch Star Trek to watch Star Trek. That was a Kirov class. Yeah, that was I want to hop people and show that there's spiritual message in Star Trek, but there's no mitzvah to watch Star Trek. I was trying to take a little um uh, what do you call it? Little fruit out of the psalis. All right. And if I want to use a muscle to explain something, like when I want to accept, when explain that God's a perfect God, He has no needs, then I'll use uh, Kirk's comments. What does God have the need of a starship? Right. Now that's a Very perfect muscle. That's a muscle to explain. Now for those who watch Star Trek and get it, so now take that idea, and that's a muscle. What does Hashem need a Star Trek for? Right? right. What does he need a starship for? Because he has no needs. So that's a marshal to explaining Torah. But stop reading, uh, uh, what, do you, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Eric, a, a mystery. Or a, a mystery thriller. Who done it? Is, yeah. You know, what, what, what's the point? There's nothing, there's nothing there for that. It's, it's not a true reality. Not even than watching television. You know, you could watch, uh, you know, but it's, Unless you're watching a real mushal that's meant, let's say if you if they would make a play of Rabbi Nachman's stories. Yeah. Okay, Rabbi Nachman's stories were mashalim to give you deep, deep messages of Torah. And that's not a waste of time. But this, just just some novels and mysteries, it's a total waste of time. So now I'm explain this, maybe we'll try this the distinction between essence and existence. Okay. Mahus and existence. Now that we explained it, maybe you'll understand the goblin. <coughs> so the analysis of being reveals two meanings of existence. The first affirms or establishes the existence of something, that something does exist. It's promise here, I could see it. Right? The second expresses without affirming its existence, the reality by virtue of which something is what is namely its essence. <coughs> that, but it's not really the thing. It's what it could be. The first is what Avicenna, that's a Muslim guy, Abis, it really is called Abisena, Abisena. So um, let's see on the top it says Ibn Sina. Ibn Sina, I guess son of Sina, whatever. But Avicenna calls the existence related to the fact that something is established. The second identifies the particular or proper existence of the thing. As regards to the latter, one is either not required to know whether the thing is or not existent. In other words, there's a conceptual idea of Yasim Mahalowitz, but it doesn't matter if I exist or not, or else one ignores the whole question if it exists. There is this theoretical perfect person in your mind, but it doesn't matter if they exist or not. In the first sense, then, the existent or existing thing stands for what is established or realized and affirms that something really does exist. In the second sense, which is expressed by proper existence, what is referred to is the reality, nature, essence, or according to Avicenna's technical terminology, quiddity or thingness of the thing. <laughs> Here, no exist existential judgment is implied, meaning one does not know if the thing exists. What is expressed is an intentional note, independent of its existence, which necessarily accompanies it. So and therefore, the only being that must exist is Hashem. 
And that's what he says. We'll skip three and go to four. Can I just ask a question now? Yeah. So we're saying the first one is Mahus and the second one is Matthias? Yes. Ma well, Mahus is, let's say, the theory. Yes. And Matthias' existence, it's Mahus theory. Mm -hmm. But you can have an essence without an existence. Right. That brings us to four. Skipping the middle one. The so-called distinction between essence and existence reveals an unavoidable modal characterization of being. The starting point of Avicenna's metaphysics is the existent, but the analysis Avicenna applies to it does not concern what exists insofar as its existent, but instead concerns the modal that explains the relation that what exists has to its own existence. Meaning, an existent can either be necessary in itself or possible in itself, right? These distinctions thus reveal the inner complex of relations <coughs> that explain existence. Not only are the notions of existent and thing primary, but so are those of unity, necessity, and to some extent, possibility. So what he's saying over here is that every being, every um, being can exist, but doesn't have to exist. There's a possible existence. That's that first term. Uh, term. There's a possible existence. Such a thing could exist. Could exist. If it does, that's a whole other story. Because you've conjured this up in your world. Is it possible an honest politician could exist? It's possible. It's possible. And it really is possible. Is it going to exist is another story. Can the world exist without an honest politician? I guess so. It's just, it's just this way. But Hashem, on the other hand, must exist. is existence that must be. God's existence there is not the same as ours. And therefore, God's existence is part of his mahus, but that's a mahus that we cannot even explain. So you understand how we're able to say certain things even though it's hard to explain them, right. you know, and it doesn't, you can imagine there's a yussi in theory, but not in existence. Right. Now, you could maybe say that's a deeper shot when Hashem says, for example, Yaakov, Yaakov, Avram, Avram, Moshe, Moshe. Right. Why? Because there's the Yaakov of essence, and there's the Yaakov of existence. Right. I mean, in other words, you could be a Yaakov, up in Shemayim, the concept of Yaakov exists. And we could say it further. The concept of Martin before he was born exists. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of things could have happened. Oh, yeah. His parents could not have met and Martin never came into the world. Right. Or even better, Martin's born, but Martin was a total failure. Oh, he didn't use any of his talents. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a pseudo-Martin. Or a Martin that really exists according to what the essence was. And that's what Avram Avram, Yaakov, Yaakov, Moshe, Moshe was. That their uh, existence matched up to their essence. So the Mahus and the Metzias were equal. So yes. They matched each other. But it didn't have to be that way. Right. They had to make it that way. Hashem had to be there. And therefore his existence is a necessary existence. And therefore it can't be compared to our existence. Because our, his existence makes everything else exist. My existence right. doesn't. So therefore, we can we can use the words, but that's not the same meaning. Yeah. So you, you said there could have been a world without Rabbi Machalowitz or without Martin. Yep. Could there have been a, word, a world without Moshe Rabbeinu? Yep. 
What if you're not a good It could have been a world without Esther. What did Mordechai say? If you don't save the Jews, someone else will save the Jews. Always be somebody else. All right. So we just started this introduction, but I think a very valuable one. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm.